Chats from the Blog Cabin. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin. You know the show where I virtually invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. And today we're chatting with Kirsty. She's from Scotland. I absolutely love her accent. You absolutely love her. She wrote the book, A Serving of Wisdom, and it's words of advice and support for young people. Welcome to the show, Kirsty. And please tell us a little bit more about yourself before we actually go into your book. Hi, Melissa. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Um, so, as you, what lovely introduction, thank you for that. Uh, my name is Kirsty. Um, I am a mother of two teenagers. Uh, Jack is 18 and Kira is 16. Um, my early career was in sales and marketing um, in, the, in the UK. I worked for a variety of big organisations uh, such as Kellogg's. I'm sure you'll have heard of Kellogg's. And latterly, I was involved in the whisky industry, which is um, one of the kind of mainstays of Scotland's economy. Um, I was um, an older mother, let's say, um, and so when I had Jack, I was actually 42 by then. So I decided it was time to give up my career in marketing because it's, it it's quite a stressful environment. Um, so I wanted to kind of be um, more at home for him uh, when he was born. So that being said, I didn't want to give up working completely. So I retrained and became a shiatsu practitioner. Uh, shiatsu, if you haven't heard of it, is a kind of Japanese healing therapy, um, a little bit like acupuncture, but uh, you don't use any needles, so it's not an invasive therapy. Very much connected with the mind, body and soul, um, and based on uh, the theory of Chinese medicine. Um, so I did that for a number of years, and that really helped me a, understand a lot more about myself, um, a lot of self-reflection involved. Um, but secondly, just really understand this kind of mind-body connection that's that's so important. And, you know, there's a saying where the, the mind goes, the chi goes. Um, so where the mind goes, the energy goes. Um, so I learned so much during that time. And it was kind of the beginning of a real journey for me of, of, of understanding. Um, so I did that for many years. And I then started, I think, um, certainly by then I had two children. Um, but I, I, I think I, I, I really wanted to, to start understanding younger people, so start working with young people. So I uh, became a mentor with uh, an organisation called Move On, which is a local organisation where I mentor uh, young people who, um, they just have difficulties and um, they need a bit of adult, adult support and guidance. So I've been, again, doing that for a number of years um, and also been a teaching assistant. So I've all, you know, I've kind of, I've evolved over, um, I would say, probably the last 18 to 20 years. Yeah, you have definitely evolved. You've gone from being in the marketing to something totally different from marketing to raising your kids to being involved with the kids being a teaching assistant. So mm -hmm. what made you decide to write A Serving of Wisdom? Um, well, the children are starting to get older. As I said, they're 18 and 16 now. Um, they're thinking about, well, they will be thinking about leaving home in the next um, couple of years, I expect. And I'd started to think, well, what could I give them 
um, for leaving home and preparation for leaving home. And normally, you know, under kind of normal circumstances, I think as mums might think, well, let's create a, scrap, a scrapbook for them, yeah. something like that, full of recipes and, and so on um, that they can take with them. Um, but I, I felt that wasn't quite enough. I, it wasn't going far enough for me. Yeah. So I, I just hit upon the idea, well, why don't I write down all the experiences I've had in my life and a, you know, a life of ups and downs, just like everyone else has a life of ups and downs. Why don't I write down those experiences and what I've learned from them in the hope that, you know, perhaps I can save them just a wee bit of, of heartache as, as they embark upon their own journey um, from kind of adolescence into early, you know, young, young adulthood. Um, so that was the kind of nub um, of the idea. I then decided I don't have a monopoly on wisdom. Why don't I invite some family and friends to give me to give some advice to the children too? So I wrote to them all individually and said, well, what advice would you give Jack and Kira as they prepare to, to move on in their life? And that was that was wonderful because I just got so many. Everybody was very enthused by the idea and I got some really lovely replies. So um, that that is, is part forms part of the book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and going back finally to the recipe idea, I thought, well, why not invite everybody to give me one of their favourite family recipes? Because I, I didn't want the kids to, um, and I'm sure all parents don't want their kids mm-hmm. to live on takeaways <laughs> when mm-hmm. they leave home. Um, so I thought, well, here's a kind of starter recipe pack for you as well. So that was really um, the idea. It was also, if I just connecting that up, say that this was kind of against this backdrop um, in the UK, certainly, of um, an increasing amount of anxiety Mm -hmm. and sort of uh, mental health problems amongst young young people in our society today. And that's been kind of growing over the last five or six years, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really with that in mind as well. It felt that that was giving them just something a bit more yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you even said, don't make the mistakes that I made. Like, like for instance, you stayed in a job like forever because that's what you thought you just had to have a job to make money. Exactly. Exactly. And I was, I was, that job was, um, you know, much as I did very well in it, I just, I, I don't think I was the right kind of person for that environment. Um, and I've embraced, you know, in the last 20 years since I've not been doing that, I've mm-hmm. certainly embraced um, what I have been learning um, so yeah it took a long time to and it took a lot of courage to finally kind of prize myself out of it but um, it, interestingly I feel um, one of the other learnings I had for that was I wish I had 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 a good mentor mm-hmm. at the time because I think a good mentor might have said to me are you sure you're in are you sure you're in the right job yeah. <laughs> but um, that was never really said said to me so you, you know we just go on and on don't we yeah, we sure do. And the fact that you're actually upfront with your kids about it and saying, you know, I was in a job. I hated this job. The, one of the people in a meeting actually told you in the book, they said, if you were on my team, I would have sacked you for the, your attitude. I mean, I mean, come on, you know, and that wasn't a wake up call. I don't know what was. No, how many messages do you need really to, <laughs> to sink in? <laughs> So you have your book with you. So we're going to go to a brief commercial. And when you come back, I would love for you to read part of your book. Are you ready? Okay. Thank you. So here we go with the commercial. Chats from the blog cabin. 
hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. While human connections are the most important aspect of our lives, they can also be the most neglected. A couple of years ago, I attended a funeral of a close friend. She was loved and celebrated, with many testimonies sharing the profound effect she had on the lives of her friends. As I listened to these professions of love, gratitude, and admiration, I felt an intense sadness that these beautiful words were never shared with her. This experience forced me to reflect on what brought meaning to my life. It was the relationships, the human connections, those things that I and many others spend our lives ignoring or taking for granted, the things that we never say to each other. So I challenged myself to do better. At the age of 49, heading towards my 50th birthday, I made a list of 50 women from lifelong friends to new acquaintances. Over the course of a year, I met one-on-one -on -one with all of them. And in the process, I learned more about myself than I had at any other time in my life. The gift of giving and receiving, of being both student and teacher, of finding meaning through human connection. These are those meetings. Welcome to the 50-50 Friendship Flow. Life lessons from and for my girlfriends. And we are back talking with Kirsty, a serving of wisdom is her book, and she's going to read part of our book. So it's all yours. Thank you. So this section is called Confidence. Confidence requires an optimistic outlook on life, a look on the bright side. We all suffer from lack of confidence at one point or another, especially if we were outside our comfort zones. A wee inner voice creeps into your head and says, I can't do that or I'm not good enough. If we could add up the time spent having doubtful or negative thoughts, I think it would amount to years of our lives. Just think how we could be more productive if all our thoughts were positive and supportive. In my experience, nothing good has ever come from having negative thoughts. It's a form of self-sabotage, an unhealthy cycle designed by the mind to stop you reaching your full potential. The question is, how can we stop ourselves from spiraling downwards? Firstly, try to focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. Focus on your strengths, focus on what you're good at. Everyone is good at something. You just have to look for it, acknowledge it and build on it. If you can identify something you're good at, then you will do it with confidence. Secondly, try some positive affirmations. If you haven't heard of those, they are words or phrases pertinent only to you which you can say over and over, almost like a mantra. You're replacing the negative unsupportive thoughts with positive and helpful thoughts. This might sound a bit nutty, but it works. I have a set of positive affirmations that I would like to share with you. They're very personal to me and offset the unhelpful thoughts I can have about myself. I am confident. I am fearless. I am proud. I am worthy, 
I am grateful. When I repeat these words, I can almost feel my breath slowing down, my back straightening and my resolve returning. Spend some time thinking about what your affirmations might be. Here's another tip. Try to look confident. That doesn't mean that you strut about the place looking like you can take on the world, although if you do, good for you. What I mean is that an inner calm can also project a level of confidence. I use a technique called the inner smile. I'm literally smiling inside and almost as soon as I do this, I can feel a level of calm and inner confidence emerging. Give it a go and see if it works for you. Finally, I got an excellent piece of advice from my boss. He told me that knowledge is power. What he was saying was the more knowledge you have about your subject, your workplace, your products, your people, then the more you will be able to communicate with confidence and authority. It is very empowering. And Benjamin Franklin actually said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. I know from my own experience that all these things work. All the same, to achieve success with anything, we have to put the effort in. We can't just expect it to come our way. Above all, if you really believe you can do something, you will do it. Determination is a powerful motivator. It's worth having a wee word about intuition. Don't be afraid to use it. Our intuition is a gift, our sixth sense. My feeling is that we rely less on our intuition nowadays because we can easily access detailed information on any situation or any subject. So our decisions are all based on information. Therefore, it's always worth taking some time out to examine how you really feel about a situation before making the big decisions. What's your gut feel? What does it tell you? And here's a tip that could literally save your life. I told my 18-year-old nephew this before he went off travelling to Australia on his own. If something, someone or somewhere does not feel right in your gut, then it probably isn't. Your gut feeling is almost never wrong. That is so true. And a lot of it, a lot of your advice that you are giving your children and giving young people, because it's, you write it for your children, but it's for, can apply to everybody, even adults now, is all about mindset. And why is mindset so important? It, it, it's just everything, isn't it? It's that because we can, you know, on a hairpin, we can wreck our life or we can make our life better with mindset. You know, it's, um, but, but changing those old habits is, is actually so, so difficult. And it, it comes right way, way back from our, from our childhood, doesn't it? And how we, mm -hmm. how we see ourselves, how the world sees us, how we think the world sees us. Um, it goes all the, all the way back that these things are set in stone at a very, very early age. Um, so mindset is, is absolutely key. And it's the difference between a good and a bad day. Now, there is something I actually got a part of the book that I want to go over some of the suggestions you said when you like when you're really having a hard time and you're um, it's on page 33. It's like basically you're having a hard time and there are some things that you've done that kind of helped you besides going to see a therapist, because obviously, if you need the help, ask for the help. But talk about some of yes. the other tips that you included in that. Yes, um, I for me, um, meditation is something that works really well. And, and I know a lot of people are maybe not into that kind of thing, but even at the very least, some really good quality breathing mm -hmm. is excellent because it, 
It literally stops you in your tracks. If you're only thinking about your breathing, you can't be thinking about anything else. Your mind completely stops. And that just resting your mind, I think is, is so important. Um, and I use a, a breathing technique called the four square breath. So basically breathe in for four, you hold for four, breathe out for four and hold it for four. And that whole, that cycle you can repeat as, as many times as, um, as you like. Um, and it, it, again, it just helps to ground you and just bring you all the way back down from all the stuff that's going on up here to get it back down mm -hmm. and, and grounded. Um, the other thing I would say is that we, we can be so hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that come, you know, young people as well, they can be so, they may not ask for help. They may not know how to ask for help. So they just keep everything inside and be, be very tough with themselves and I think we all have to be have to learn to be a bit kinder mm -hmm. to ourselves and if that simply means taking 10 minutes out or if it means going for a nice bath or you know whatever kindness means to you I think it's it's absolutely key to to nurturing ourselves mm -hmm. and if we can't nurture ourselves then you know we I don't think we can nurture anyone else it keeps going back to a lot of things that a lot of my other guests have said is you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to have your cup full before you can pour and help anybody else or you're going to be so drained and so resentful because everybody's coming to you for help and you actually need the help. Absolutely right. And, and we just keep going on and on and on and, and maybe don't stop and maybe someone, maybe someone doesn't tell us to stop. So we really have to have that self-regulation you know, inside us as well if, if we can. And it, it, it's, um, I think it's even more difficult nowadays with young people in screen time where they're mm -hmm. so addicted to their phones, you know, eight, ten hours a day. Um, I spoke to a young person recently who was on TikTok for nine and a half hours, on, you know, oh. right through the night. Yeah. Wow. And I know, I know. And I, I don't think she's alone <laughs> by any means. Um but that kind of self-regulation of, yeah, I need to put this away, I need to put my phone away, I need to switch it off at night and get some high quality sleep will help me switch off and, and not be flickering at a, at a screen um, throughout the night. Yeah, I think sleep is a lot of things that everybody kind of struggles with, a lot of the anxiety, especially when COVID happened and people were like worrying about what's going on? Are we ever going to get back to normal? No, we're not because it's going to be a new normal, not the old normal like we're used to, but just the, uh, the fear of the unknown and people are so worried about what's happening in the world that they're not focusing on what they need to do for their own mental and physical health. They're absolutely, absolutely right. There's so much fear around and, and, and I'm sure it's the same in America as it's the same in the UK. Um, it, it's hard to get any positivity through any of the news channels um, on a daily basis. So we really do have to look inwards and get that peace and that calm from, from ourselves. And it is there and it can be accessed. Um, you know, it might take a, a couple of minutes practice every day, but it absolutely can be accessed. And that's how we, I feel that we manage to hold ourselves together and keep ourselves well. And then you also mentioned in the book, surrounding yourself with people that build you up instead of bring you down. Mm -hmm. Very much so. That's, um, so, you know, your network is, um, I think, one of, you know, no matter how, how old you are, 
network's one of the most important things that you can have, a good, positive, strong support network consisting of a, you know, a variety of, of you know, different people, friends, family, old, young, whatever, whatever that might be. Um, but who wants, to, who wants to be with somebody who's just simply going to drag them down mm. and make them feel bad about themselves? Um, we all, you know, we, we all deserve to be with good, kind people. And also to that point, um, just something just popped in my head. You talked about in the book how you surround yourself with people, but make sure you don't surround yourself with all like-minded people. Like you learn from people, new experiences, different people from different nationalities, people from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses. Yeah. So that way you learn. How important is that? I I think it's very important. I, I think I've probably experienced it profoundly twice in my life. Uh, once was when I left school and went to university. Um, where at school I'd always been surrounded with probably you know people, well, people I'd known since I was five years old, mm. very like-minded, you have your group and, and so on. All of a sudden meeting, you know, I'd never been out of Glasgow, which is where I was born. Um, so all of a sudden meeting people from Ireland, from, from China, from Singapore, etc., um, with different attitudes and ideas and aspirations. And that that was overwhelming, actually, and, and, it, and a great experience. Um, and then I, um, I, when my children were born, actually, I, I went through it again because I, I'd gone from a kind of work environment where, again, we were all fairly like minded to meeting mums who were social workers, mums who were librarians, um, different, just people from all walks of life who became new friends to me. Um, and that was through baby groups and you know, toddler groups and things. And um, again, my world opened up to just the aspect of, of, of people with different ideas who'd worked in different, different environments, different places. Um, and it was, it, it was ama an amazing experience actually. And so I, I do keep, yeah, it's really important not to stick with the same people who I think would get a bit stale as well, actually. And I absolutely love the recipes and the advice that you shared in the back from your friends, because there are a very variety of friends. You had one that is a nun that shared her advice. Yes, she, she, well, she's now in her 80s and she, she is actually my husband's aunt. Um, my husband is Irish. Um, so there's a, a big family contingent in Belfast and um, Auntie Rosalina, as I know her, it has the most beautiful spirit of anybody I've ever met. Um, she just radiates love. And um, yes, her advice, very, very simple, you know, love God, love um, and love yourself. And um, uh, uh, yeah, she touched me. I've only met her a couple of times in my life, but she really did touch me. And um, from so from her you know uh, through to someone else who who one of our very dear friends who lives and work in in new york um who's a senior executive you couldn't really get more two polar opposite people <laughs> <laughs> that is so true so when you were writing the book i'm going to go back to where you said surround yourself with people who build you up what was the pot what were the things for your kids what were your kids saying mom do it do it do it or did you even tell anybody that you were doing it um well interestingly I didn't tell the kids I was doing it because I wanted it to be a surprise for them and a, a gift for them 
Um, so I no, I didn't tell them, but I told my husband, and he was very supportive. I let him, I, I let him plus another friend read the manuscript before I um, went to self-publish uh, to get a feel for. Do you think this? Do you think I should do it, or, or um, please tell me the truth? <laughs> And uh, they were very, very supportive indeed. And um, you're absolutely right. I had to surround myself with trusted uh, people I trusted um, mm -hmm. so that I, I had the confidence to, to go and um, uh, go ahead with it. Because at, at the end of the day, in a, with a book like this as well, is there was a lot of me in it um, that was from the heart that perhaps a lot of people wouldn't have known. Mm -hmm. So I really did feel as though I was exposing myself in a way and it, 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 I couldn't have written, I couldn't have written the book dishonestly, you know, it had to come from my heart and it had to come from me. So there were, you know, there are aspects of, of it where I, um, I was slightly nervous. People would read it and think, oh gosh, I didn't know that about you or, or whatever. But going back to your, one of the things in your book was when you said, don't worry about what other people think about you, only worry about what you think about yourself. You even had to learn that while you're writing the book, correct? That and, you know, both people said to me, take your own advice, for goodness sake. <laughs> I love that. So what made you, it started out as a project for your kids. What made you decide to want to publish it so that other young people and other people can read it and glean from it? Well, it, it you know, I just felt, um, I did some research and I couldn't find, the, there are plenty self-help books out there, obviously, for um, for young people. They've all been written, or most of them have been written by, you know, qualified kind of counsellors, psychotherapists, etc., educationalists, perhaps. Um, you know, I'm none of these. I'm a mum, and for me, this was a mum in a book, basically. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I felt, in spite of that, you know, I had something to say and something that I thought young people might learn because it's all it's written very gently, very simplistically. Um, and, and it's not lecturing people. And I thought perhaps mm -hmm. that tone might actually be interesting for some young people that, that they felt they weren't being lectured to or, or it wasn't, a, you know, a clinical self-help book, mm -hmm. if you like. Um, so it was really that that made me think, well, well why not? You know, um, let's let's give it a go. And I did send the manuscript off to, to quite a number of publishers. Um, to try and get an agent to take it on, but that that wasn't successful. Um, so I just thought, right, I'll try, I'll do it myself. I love that. Now, I want to ask you to give some advice to anybody that's listening about how to deal with like the holidays coming up with your mental health, the toxic people, your relationships, stress, all that. You know, all that kind of rolls into one with the holidays because you know the holidays is the most stressful. It's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, but it's the most stressful time of the year. So what are some it, tips that you can give people for that? It really is a stressful time of year. I think, um, I think first of all, manage your expectations and try not to be a perfectionist. You know, we all want this fabulous meal that's on the table on the day and the whole family and whoever's there to enjoy it. But actually, if... You know, if the turkey gets burnt or the potatoes get burnt, then it, so what? Life, I think we've all learned in the last two years that life mm -hmm. is very short. So let's not stress about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just laugh it off. Um, so that would be my, I, 
and I tend to try and be a perfectionist on, on Christmas Day and it never works. Um, so that would be my first piece of advice. Just um, go with the flow and don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, I think secondly, ask for help. Um, mm. I, again, I, I think we feel we have to take her this Herculean effort, take mm. on the whole thing um, and, and be, um, be feeding everybody, you know, be the feeder, be the, mm. the person who's, who's also waitressing and waiting in the home mm. um, for all the guests. I think ask them to help um, to do the dishes, clear the table, peel the potatoes, whatever. Um, last year we spent, our, well, like most families, we were on our own. But we, we split the jobs. So my daughter made a dessert, my son made a starter, and we did the main course. And it was really good fun, actually. It was probably much more interesting than had I just done it all myself. Um, and I, importantly, though, and seriously, uh, take some time for yourself. You know, so, so use some breathing techniques, ground yourself, uh, just you know, escape for 10 minutes, even if it's walking around the garden or or in the loo or something, <laughs> just escape um, if you need to. And, and, and as I say, stay grounded and, and, and have some nice breathing te techniques in your toolbox. I love the way you said in the loo, because I was thinking about go to the bathroom if you have to, because I don't know how many memes did you see of moms in the bathroom and then you'll see the kids' hands underneath like, mom, where are you? I can't find you. Or knocking on the door like, please just leave me alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, the number of times I've had to do that. Yes. Now, I also want to hit on the profits of the books. Um, tell us about why you decided to um, to donate it to young people's charities. Um, I just I felt as though I didn't want to make I didn't want to profit out of the subject matter. That was for me. That was the most important thing. Um, yeah, I, I just thought, you know, if I'm asking young people to read this, then surely what surely I can donate the, the profits to charity. And, you know, there's plenty of young people's charities out there who could probably do with a few donations. So, um, uh, yeah, I just thought it was an important part of just giving, you know, giving back, doubly giving back, if that makes yeah. sense, you know, writing it for young people, but actually putting the money back in there as well. Yeah, I think it's it's very important that people know that you're not, you know, you self-published it. You didn't have your big agent, your big publishing company, and, and you're actually just giving things back to the to young people, not only advice, but also to help them. Because there's a lot of charities out there that, because of COVID, they are really struggling right now. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's absolutely right. So let's talk about it. I know we've mentioned COVID a couple of times. What has COVID been like over there in Scotland? Or in the UK? It, it's definitely, it's been challenging over the last couple of years. Um, we all think we're, I, I do feel we thought we were all coming through it and then the, we've all been hit by this new variant in the last uh, couple of days, which is a bit disappointing. Um, the first, you know, the first lockdown 18 months ago, um, I think we, were, we weren't too bad, mainly because the weather was very good. At that time and we could we, you know well if you if you're lucky enough to have a garden we could be in a garden or we could at least get some fresh air with going out for a walk so i don't think people find it as difficult as the second one which was coming into last winter mm -hmm. where we were we were well and truly locked down 
and that I think people started to get really fed up with it and fed up with the rules and regulations and and the change um, our continual changing situation so yes I, I you know I think it has been very tough on everyone and and I, I would say um, I'm very grateful as a family we've actually been been remarkably well mm -hmm. and okay but there's so many families who've you know been in isolation for months now and um, are lost people and it's it, you know it's just been horrendous for them um, as I'm sure it's been in the United States as well. So it, 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 I do, I do feel that it's going to take a long time for us to get through this, and you know, maybe another few years to get to, mm -hmm. to really get on top of it. Um, and perhaps with that reality, if we can think about it in those terms, we won't be disappointed continually <laughs> when things change. Yeah. Now let's go back to your kids. Once you published your book did you hand it to them and say read this have they read it have they what did they think when they first got it i want to know their whole reaction from the time that you gave it to them because this book was written for the sole purpose of giving them a gift so walk me through that whole scenario okay so i wrapped i wrapped a book up for each of them and we just i think we just had dinner one night and i said i've got something for you and they opened it and they were quite overwhelmed actually i mean they, they couldn't they couldn't believe it um that it was actually i think they thought i was they i think they knew i was writing a book but they didn't know what the subject matter was and when they read the dedication and so on they realized it really was for them they were quite overwhelmed and then seeing relatives you know my my sister allison in it their auntie dolly their etc you know it just blew them away so kira is uh she's a keen reader and uh, so she did read it literally, you know, that, that evening mm -hmm. um, and, and was very moved actually. Um, I, I think she felt, well, well, the first thing she said was, it's just like you're in the room mm. and you're talking to me, which I thought was lovely. And she said it was gentle and she really enjoyed some of the advice. So I couldn't, I couldn't really have asked for more than that. I have to confess, I think Jax might be propping up his Xbox. <laughs> It seems to be in the same, exactly the same spot he left it in, in his bedroom <laughs> the day he got it. <laughs> but that's fine. You know, he'll come to it when he's ready. And I'm definitely, I'm not going to push it on him. Did you think when you were writing this that you were going to be able to pass it down generations to generations? Or were your, just your children were the only ones in your mind at the time? Um, at the time, the, ch the two children were the only people in my mind, but... You know, now it's out there in the wider world. Um, I, you know, I, I know, I know they will keep it, and um, and it will it hopefully will be passed down. You know, I think the advice will be relevant in in years to come. Will still be relevant in years to come. I mean, I absolutely love it, and what a great way to for great grandchildren and great great grandchildren to know you later on in life and say when you're not around anymore here this is one one of your great great grandma's books here read this and she can give you some oh, advice thank you and it you know it it, it is it's um it's it's an interesting point you touched on there <clears throat> you know if i look back and, and my own parents who sadly passed away um i i wonder how much i really knew them mm -hmm. You know, I knew bits of my mom. I knew she used to suffer from depression, so I knew that as I was in my late teens. 
um, she would say certain things to me, but I, I don't know if I really, really knew her. Mm. And I, I was, I was pleased that I was able to, that, that I think my kids probably know me a bit better now. And mm. I think there's a few friends who know me a bit better now as well, actually. So it was that bit of, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm glad you'll, you'll know a different me and not just your mum. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now let's talk about the people that you included in the back of the book, because I would say the first part of the book is what, how many pages I'm trying to look, because it's a very quick read. I will say that, but it's like, it the, is, yeah. the it's only 48 pages until you get to the recipes and the other things. But let's talk about the, the people that you went about choosing for your, that part of the book, did you pick and choose? Did you have a list already running in your mind that you're like, this person absolutely has to be in there? Or was there some people that you wanted to be in there and they were like, no, I just can't come up with anything? Um, no, my list was fairly, um, fairly set, actually. I mean, I started with immediate family. Mm -hmm. um, my husband being Irish has, um, has a huge family in Northern Ireland. And so I had to be quite selective. So I, I've kept, I kept it to kind of small, immediate group. But I was, I was looking for a cross section as well of people. Mm. So, um, as you touched on, Auntie Rosaline, um, who's the nun, um, I thought it would be really interesting to get her perspective. Um, so I, I thought about the people as well uh, and what they could bring uh, to the book. Um, in terms of my own friends, um, I would say I've got a very good tight support network, and I mm. wanted them. I wanted that that to reflect the choice of, of the people in the book. So um, it didn't take long to kind of, um, to come up with the list actually. Um, and I, again, I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to be 25 people or 30 people because I thought, well, that kind of weakens the idea that, that here is my support network. Mm -hmm. um, it's not extensive, but it is very important to me. And I, I hoped that would, that would come, come through. And the children actually, all know them all really well. So that was another another reason. Was there one person that said no, they weren't interested or they didn't think they had any great advice to share and then they ended up sharing some amazing advice? Um, no, no, not at all, actually. My sister, my sister-in-law had to keep writing to her, keep emailing and texting her and saying, could I please have this or I'm going to have to make it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she finally, she got there in the end. Um, but no, everybody, everybody was delighted to do it and to make the contribution. I love the fact that you included recipes and words of wisdom from other members of your family, because that also passes down generation upon generation about being able to see what their family was like during this time. And I absolutely love that because a lot of times in families, when the storyteller dies, there's nobody around to tell the story. So the stories get lost. So I love that idea. And said so the recipe part um, of the book, you just wanted something so when they got out, they don't have to get takeaways? <laughs> I just felt that, um, of course, they're going to get takeaways, aren't they? Of course they are. But I just thought, well, if there's a kind of cross section of food, which is like an easy soup mm -hmm. um, to make that lasts two or three days, um, everybody loves pizza so you can you know of course you can buy it in the shops but it's quite impressive to make one mm -hmm. um, if you're trying to impress someone you know something if mum and dad are coming for dinner so there was just this idea of 
try and do a cross section of recipes that, that, that my friends and family have all loved and, and that taste good too. You know, they're not they're 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 not certainly not bland recipes, any of them, um, but they are all easy to make. I love that. So our time is almost up. Is there one last little nugget that you want to share your words of wisdom with um with young people and old people alike? <laughs> well, the one thing that stuck in my mind that was uh, some wisdom um, Finton, Finton Mooney um, gave was take charge of your own life and be responsible and adapt to your circumstances. And I think for young people, that's something that is really important. You know, take, don't give, don't, don't give your responsibility some, to someone else. Take charge. If you need to adapt and you need to change things, then turn the ship round and, and be flexible in your life. And that way life will be a lot more straightforward than swimming against the tide. Yes, I think that is so true. Now tell people where they can find you at. So my website is www.kirstymooney.co.uk um, or you can find me on Twitter, which is at kirstymooney1 or Instagram. And I'm so sorry, I haven't got the Instagram feed here. Oh, it's there, Kirsty Mooney. Uh -huh. Apologies, thank you. <laughs> and your book is, again, tell people what your book's name is. It's a serving of wisdom, words of advice and support for young people. And it's available on, on Amazon. And I will say it's advice for young people. You say young people, but I would say all people. I mean, you wrote it in mind for your children, but you definitely, people can definitely read. There's some great tips in here. Even people that like to cook, there's recipes, a cookbook. So you can use it as both a cookbook and a, I won't say self-help book, but an inspirational book because it's not really you put steps in place but you don't berate people about anything you just talk about your personal experiences and it's like you said it's a mom talking to her kids and i absolutely love this i wish more moms would sit and dads would sit down and and tell their stories in this type of form and what a great gift for your children thank you thank you very much and guys, this would be a great gift to add to if you were talking about, you know, someone going off to college, adding this and put a whole bunch of pots and pans together. And there's a cookbook and motivational book and some pots and pans for your college student. So, Kirsty, I want to thank you for coming on and for sharing your words of wisdom, for sharing the love project that was for your children with the world, because I think the world need more needs more books like this. Oh, thank you, Melissa. It's been a joy. Thank you so much for having me on your on your show. You're welcome. And guys, I will put in the show notes everywhere where you can find Kirsty, as well as where you can grab the book. And like I said, this would be a great to put in a gift basket. It's called A Serving of Wisdom. So until next time, be blessed and remember, keep chatting. Bye. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Bye bye. Chats from the blog cabin. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode.